0: Well, hello, St. Peter's in Arlington Heights, Illinois. This is Zach Zender uh, coming to you digitally today to kick off this brand new sermon series you guys are starting called Being Challenge. And I'm pumped to be with you uh, even digitally. Uh, I know your pastor, Micah Griner, and I love this guy. He's a good dude, and I just want to, uh, say thank you to Micah uh, for being who he is. And you're, you're in good hands, church. And so I'm excited to jump into a 40-day journey to help you practice the habits of Jesus Christ so that ultimately like we can be more like Jesus. That is what it's all about. And so, today, what I want to do as we kick you off is I just really want to lay the groundwork. Like, today is just the appetizer, but I mean, to get the full meal, the entree, the dessert, like, it's going to require your participation, your buy in in many different ways. And so, thanks for joining the adventure. Our adventure today is going to start in the waters of Beijing in a swimming pool in the 2008 Olympics. Maybe you remember it. Michael Phelps was the talk of the Olympics, and he ought to have been. Like up to that point, he'd won nine gold medals, and he would go on to win 23 gold medals, the most decorated Olympian in the history of the Games. And the Games have been going on for quite a while. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for Phelps' success at like as a swimmer. Like he's got the perfect swimmer's body, right? He has big hands, this long, powerful torso, but actually pretty short legs for his frame and feet that rotate beyond 90 degrees. And, I mean, he's got feet that bend more than most ballerinas. But Michael Phelps early on realized there's a problem that he was having in his racing and especially the bigger races. It was like the bigger the race was, the more nervous he got. And that's normal for us. And so Phelps' coach, Phelps' trainer, was trying to figure out, like, how do I get Michael to not freak out and to not be nervous before these big races? And his answer was, I want to instill these same habits that on race day, Michael Phelps does every time so that no matter the importance of the race, no matter how big it is, like he's doing the same things. And so that's what happened. And so some of the habits that Phelps had in his life, uh, he would eat his breakfast of eggs and oatmeal and have four high calorie shakes, um, every single day and especially on race day he would never vary the menu in fact like in days of legit serious training phelps would consume twelve thousand calories a day now come on saint peters that is not a habit that i'm asking you to practice in this 40 days like that wouldn't be good for us unless we're swimming miles at a time but phelps he would do the same warm-ups and stretches every single race day he put on the same racing so one that was so tight it would take about 20 minutes to put on. And not only that, but then he would do the same, uh, headphones and listen to the same mix of rap music. And, and then finally he would put on what he calls this imaginary videotape in his mind where he would like visualize the race, uh, every single stroke that he had to take even before the race would happen. So then he would go out and he'd get on his block and here's what i remember of michael phelps one of the other things he did every time is he would do like super intimidating like these loud back slaps you know what i'm talking about and 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 it was incredible and then the the gun would go off and he'd get in the water and he'd do his thing and he'd win race after race but in 2008 in beijing in the 200 meter butterfly which was his best his best event this is where we see the habits pay off you see right when Phelps jumped into the water that day something really awful happened his goggles became crooked and they were leaking water so that as he's swimming in this race uh, every single stroke like more and more water is coming in so by the time he rounds the last turn like Phelps has lost all sight and he's swimming blind in the last lap amazingly, Phelps's coach had had him train for moments just like this. Sometimes he would put him in in pools that was a dark room and he would make Michael swim. And so Michael knew he'd done this before that to run or to swim the last 50, it's going to take 19, 20, maybe 21 strokes to get to the edge. And so when this happened, Phelps didn't panic. He just kept racing. And so now finally, here he is. He's swimming the last lap blind. He can't see anything. He hears the crowd going crazy, but he doesn't know if they're going crazy crazy because he's doing well or maybe he's been passed he can't tell and what's he doing he he's already visualized he's practiced he's counting his strokes on the last lap and so he he's at stroke 18 and he gives one more stroke 19 feels like i gotta do one more stroke 20 and then finally this one's 21 i'm doing one last one does his 21st reaches out his hands like perfectly to touch the side he comes out of the water rips his goggles off looks up at the board and not only does he see his name by number one but he sees two letters wr next to his name phelps swam the 200 meter blind and broke not only uh, didn't only win but he broke a world record like that's the power of putting the right habits into our lives and so that's like awesome story and physically, those habits really paid off for Michael. But where I want to turn is I want to talk about some spiritual habits that I think can give us just as, as much help when it comes to how do I grow in my relationship with God? A few years ago, you guys went through the first 40-day challenge called Red Letter Challenge about how do I follow Jesus? And they gave five discipleship targets, being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going. And here's what I found over a few of the first couple of years is I really think that out of all five targets, I think all of them are really important. I think one is most important and that is being because all of our doing all the other ones flow out of our being with Christ and, and the key to being a great follower of Jesus, which is what we're at the end of the day all after is then being in a great relationship with God. And so that's the big question being challenged is tackling Going deeper in that first habit of being or that first target of being and saying, how do I grow In my relationship with God, what what can I do? Like practically, how do I grow in my relationship with God? I know it's important to be in a good relationship and a great relationship because the greatest followers of Jesus are the ones in the greatest relationship. But like, how can I do that? That's what we're exploring in this series. And so I think you're gonna have fun. Today, I wanna answer three questions to get us started to lay the groundwork. Here's the three questions. Number one, why should we aim at Jesus? Because that's what we're gonna be doing in this series. Uh, Number two, what are keystone habits? You're gonna hear that language a lot. And then finally, number three, what are the keystone habits we find in the life of Jesus? And so number one, why should we aim at Jesus? Jesus was the only one, think about it, that's ever existed that's been in a perfect relationship with God. And so if we want to grow in our relationship with God, like why would we look anywhere else? Like there's good examples. Even Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But like the best is always imitating Jesus. Jesus even said this. I love his words in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. We are called to learn from Jesus. And as we do, we find rest. How many of you, uh, come on, in Arlington Heights can use a little bit more rest in your life? Find who we are, our souls at peace when we look at Jesus. I love the message version of this same verse. It says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it and you'll learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's my hope in this series, that these habits would be like these unforced rhythms of grace that sometimes when we're forming new habits, there is a little bit of soreness uh, when we develop new habits, whether it's physically or spiritually, emotionally, you know what I'm talking about. And so I'm not saying it's always easy, but in the end that these would be the unforced rhythms of grace in our life that like Michael Phelps, like we don't have to think about it like this is just who we are and it's just what we do. So even when like the world changes all around us, I know that would never happen. But even when the world changes all around us, like we don't have to because we've got these unforced rhythms of grace and we know who we are, man, we're living in wild and disruptive times right now. And I think it's never been more important to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And if we're just a little bit off, like it can lead to devastating consequences. And that's truly what I believe has happened in the collective Western church, Western Christianity, is I think a lot of us have really good intentions. Like we do want to believe in Jesus, we want to follow Jesus, we want to do what's best. And, and 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 but but we're not keeping our eyes squarely focused on Jesus. And in light of that, even with good intentions, we're giving a very confusing representation of Jesus to the rest of the world. Here's the way I'd say it. Intention to follow Jesus without precision on Jesus leads to confusion. Intention to follow Jesus with precision on Jesus leads to transformation. And that's what we're after. And that's my life goal and my new role is I just want to challenge people to look at and, and follow Jesus so that we can be greater followers. Let's aim precisely at him. And so, so if we're looking at Jesus or if we want to look to uh, grow in our relationship with God, like, wouldn't it be amazing if we had someone who I don't know, like lived and existed in a perfect relationship with God, someone we can learn from, try to be like, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He came down into this world to show us what a life in God really looks like. And so we we should squarely aim at Jesus to be the best representation of him. And so we should look at what are the unforced rhythms or habits in his life. So that's when I started doing a little modern day research and just found some stuff that really changed me. Like, here's one piece of it. Did you know Duke University did a study and they found that 40% of our actions that we perform each day aren't actual decisions, but they're habits in our life? 40%, that means like half of what we do, like we don't really even, think about it. We're just kind of on autopilot. I know as a pastor, a lot of times I've tried to help people uh, to make better decisions, but what if we could get down underneath that and put them in a place where they have habits that they've instilled that just automatically put them in places that make better decisions? That would be awesome. And while each habit that we have in our life, like it may mean very little on its own over time, like the meals we consume and what we say to our spouse each day, whether we save or spend, how often we work out, like it has enormous impacts on our productivity creativity, our fitness, our health, our financial security, and our happiness. So what is a habit exactly? This isn't new. You know this. The definition of a habit is a regular tendency or practice, especially one that's hard to give up. So what habits are in your life? Well, let's realize there are some good habits and there are some bad habits in our lives. Habits serve some sort of purpose or we wouldn't do them. You might say, well, what about the habit of picking your nose in traffic, a traffic that most of the people in the room right now have? In fact, how many of you raise your hand if you, if you pick your nose in traffic? Here's what I bet we're seeing. I'm not even with you right now. I guarantee most of you in the room are lying because if you don't see any hands, you're lying. Because NetQuote, an insurance agent provider um, did a study, and I don't know why they studied this, but they found that 66%, two-thirds of the people, um, admit to picking while driving. And so if two-thirds of you didn't raise your hand, I bet, you know, we may need to do a series, Micah, on uh, telling the truth in St. Peter's. (laughs) Um, But why do we do this? Even though it's frowned upon and we don't want to admit it, like the nose gets cleaned out and stress is taken care of for some of us. It serves a purpose a more positive example might be like flossing your bed flossing your bed (laughs) flossing your teeth or making your bed like two things that are good to do that most of us maybe don't do and every single one of us we have good habits and bad habits in our life and a lifelong process is that's doable is breaking the bad habits and making good habits like this isn't rocket science but there's another level of habits beyond just good and bad habits. It's called keystone habits, and the term was first coined by Charles Duhigg. And the definition of a keystone habit is a a habit that people um, in, introduce into their lives that unintentionally uh, carries over or spills over into other aspects of their lives. Keystone habits, in other words, uh, c- kind of create this domino effect of other habits. And, What's amazing is research finds that keystone habits are no harder to implement than any other habit. But man, the payoff could be that much better for you. And so researchers have identified a couple of uh, physical keystone habits. So uh, just just to help us understand this, and and then we'll land the plane and, and talk about what this means spiritually for us. A couple of physical keystone habits. One of them you maybe could figure out is exercising regularly. Those that exercise regularly, uh, research shows, have increased patience, less stress, and they're more productive at work. It's correlated with better eating and better sleep, and get this, crazily enough, it's been linked to spending less on credit cards. And so if you're like, I've always wanted my spouse to spend less money, like maybe you should just encourage them to go work out, you know, and I can attest to this, like the more I exercise when I start the day, like I I generally like I have more energy, I'm more productive at work, I'm usually a better husband and father at home. And it even helps me with my spiritual habits as well. For some reason, like after burning, you know, five, six, 700 calories in an hour, like I don't have the urge to eat a Twinkie anymore. Not that I've really had an urge to eat a Twinkie in a while, but I don't know what a more modern day. Anyway, anyway, I'm sure you people at St. Peter's have never also had a Twinkie as well. But anyway, number two, here's the second one. Making your bed every morning. To me, that feels like a waste of time because, I mean, that's a minute or two I'll never get back and I'm gonna mess it up again that night. But bed makers, here's what research says, um, more correlated with increased productivity. They're more likely to like their jobs, own a home, exercise regularly, feel well-rested. And this one as well, have stronger skills with sticking to a budget. Bed wetters, on the other hand, it's the opposite of all of that, just in case you're wondering. All right, one more. How about this? Flossing your teeth did you know that many lifestyle coaches actually start their new clients with introducing this habit can you floss your teeth like most of us we know we should be doing this the dentist is always gonna ask us and i like I hate when they ask me because I'm like, do I lie or do I tell the truth? <laughs> and here's the deal. They know like when your gums start bleeding like crazy, they know you're not flossing. But, but many of us know we need to do this. Like it's good for our dental hygiene, uh, probably will save us money in the long run. And, 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 but think about why this is important and why lifestyle coaches would introduce this because. I've never met someone that like loves flossing their teeth. Like we just don't like it. We don't want to do it. And so if it's the first thing you do in the morning, what are you subconsciously telling yourself every morning when you wake up? You're telling yourself that in my life, I will choose to do what is right over what is easy. And that carries over into other areas of our life. Flossers, research shows, become associated with, uh, uh, with successful, capable, confident, and disciplined people. And so those are a few physical keystone habits. So again, spiritually, if the goal in life is to be the greatest follower of Jesus, and that's all about being in relationship with him, then it's important that I would have habits that point me to that goal, right? Even Paul tells this to Timothy. He says, why do we do all this? Discipline yourself. Why? For the purpose of godliness. We do all of this, Paul reminds us, so that we would become more like God. That's our goal in this world. Uh, again, I love the way the message puts this one. This is first Timothy four, seven, that same verse, uh, here's how it says. It says exercise daily in God, no spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life. in God is far more so making you fit both today and forever. So here's what I'm saying, physical, mental, what this is saying, uh, physical, mental, emotional habits, they're important, but there is nothing more important than spiritual habits and if not all good habits are created equal i, I want to find then what are the what are the spiritual keystone habits that that can help me accomplish the goal of becoming the best follower of jesus i can be so 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 that those habits can almost be the system needed to accomplish the goal and so then finally our third question today what are the keystone habits that we find in the life of jesus because again he came he lived we should look at the one who is perfect and figure out what are those habits so I'm going to spend and we're going to spend 40 days diving into those five habits Uh, for me this journey began a few years ago I was really reading through all the Gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John and I was looking at the life of Jesus and particularly the habits Um, some people might call them spiritual disciplines and so we might use those terms um this in this in this series in a similar way and some Some lists of spiritual disciplines or habits are like 30 long, some are 20 long, some are 12 long. And so I tried to think of as many as I could on those lists and I put them in an Excel sheet and I would mark every single time Jesus either practiced, preached or taught on a particular habit. And my simple brain was trying to find, I can't remember 30, but what are the five keystone habits that Jesus most practiced in his life? And that's what we're gonna spend time on in these 40 days so today let me tell you real quick what those five are jesus spent his life committing to community community is important because we are all wired for relationships and relationships we're going to see really do help dictate how our lives go um committing to community number one number two is studying scripture scripture is important because that's where we find our identity we learn more about who god is and then in light of who god is we learn who we are Third, in Jesus's life, we see him prioritizing prayer. And prayer is so important because it allows us to communicate with God. And especially in this world that is so confusing with so many options, how amazing that we have a a tool to connect with God anytime. Then we see number four, Jesus seeking solitude. Solitude is important because in this noisy world, solitude time alone being with God allows us to bring focus into what our lives are about and then finally there are several verses that talk about every single day Jesus would choose church right church looks different for him it was the temple courts and synagogues but every day he would visit the temple courts and I really believe that choosing church is so important today I think in a world filled with bad news we got to consistently put ourselves around the good news of jesus and when church gets it right that's what we do and i believe saint peter's as we practice these five habits if we get these right i guarantee you not only will we grow in our relationship with god but we will be more like jesus and so i'm excited to walk this 40 days with you Uh, the sermons are just a part of it i really want to encourage you to dive deeper Uh, we've got books that go with every single day uh, where you can read the same devotions and challenge each other we've got a collection of people that are meeting together in small groups during the week that we would love for you to be part of to to dive deeper even the kids and students are involved in this like this is meant to be a 40-day journey where we are all growing together and so as I say all this like it's called being challenge and uh what many of you are going to want to jump in is just start doing right away right if there's a challenge like I'm going to tackle it i'm going to crush it but can i just tell you something real quick take a breath like calm down slow down like even when it comes to habits and goals like the wisest thing we can do is simply something small there is power in the small choices that you make and i have found that people often you've heard this maybe overestimate what they can do in the short term and underestimate what they can do in the long term and so our long term is to be more like jesus to be with him like Jesus was with him so that we could be like him. And at the end of this 40-day journey, like, cool, if you've been able to check every box, but that's not about what this relationship with God is about. It's about taking one step every day. And I'm gonna give you up front my big, hairy, goal, audacious goal for this entire series is that at the end of this series, that you would implement one small daily habit in your life. That's it. it it's maybe the smallest goal I've ever had for, a, a project i've spent this long on but think about if you take one step every day closer to christ and you do that as a community oh man how much arlington heights might change because small habits done over a long time make a major difference and so that's my challenge for you this week i'm gonna I'm give you an early challenge i want you this week to put one small habit in your life i don't care as much if it's a spiritual thing this week because we're going to get into those but just one thing that you can introduce into your life this week and i want you to crush it these five days to uh, these seven days to give you the confidence over the next five weeks but never underestimate those of you who just want to start going 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 run hard what god can do with something really small Our God loves to take small acts of faithfulness and turn them into something special. Remember, we serve the God who took five loaves and two fish and made it food for thousands. We serve a God who says faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. Remember, salvation for the world came through a baby in Bethlehem born in a manger in a feeding trough. Awesome. Our God does big things through small things. And so uh, some of you might think as we land the plane here, Zach, this is cool. It's a book about habits. But man, I'm so stuck in my ways that I can't even change where I'm at right now. I can't even think about instilling good habits because my life's filled with bad habits and I can't find a way out. I'm stuck. And I'm here to tell you today, that's a lie. You are not stuck. Our God always provides a way. He He is not just a habit maker. He's a chain breaker first corinthians 10 13 says no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man and god is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it i want to remind you that jesus christ was not only your way out eternally when he went to the cross but he's still your way out today and the amazing thing about this god this jesus about shooting to be like him is he is an incredible teacher Uh, He's the best example, and there is no no better model to follow after. And so it's appropriate to look at Jesus in those ways as teacher example and model but if all he is to you is teacher example and model and you try to be like him you're going to be crushed by the expectations because you will fall down and you will fail and the invitation that jesus have has to be with him and to be with god is to not only see him as those things but to receive him as savior and to follow him as lord and that's amazing is that every time we fail every time we fall because jesus is more than my teacher model example he's my lord and savior every time i fail i just get right back and i think that's a great message for you today is as you're taking small steps toward him i think god wants to tell a lot of you hey two steps forward and one step backward is still a step forward and he wants you to know he's proud of you and so keep taking steps forward and as we step forward We go with the spirit inside of us because it's not about us. It's about God living in us, right? Romans 8 reminds us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now alive in us. And so St. Peter's Arlington Heights, my question to you, my challenge to you is will you spend the next 40 days being like Jesus, being with Jesus so that ultimately we can give the world a greater expression of who he is? I'm excited to see from afar and hear from Micah and the crew how things go. And, uh, geez, I'm just praying for you. God, thanks so much for just the invitation alone to not only receive grace, to be made right eternally, but to actually be in a real and right relationship with you today, right here, right now. I pray that in these 40 days, you would reveal some habits that, God, we can instill into our lives that would be unforced rhythms of grace. And that as we get into those more and more and more and more and more, we just experience parts of a relationship with you that we never had before that would put us even more on fire for you so that this world can know and more can come to a knowledge of who the real Jesus is. All for your glory and in your name. Amen.